1: Live
2: from the NASDAQ market site, as always, overlooking New York's Times Square. This is Fast Money. I am Brian Sullivan. In for Melissa, again, your traders on the desk on a big night are Tim Seymour, Karen Feynman and Guy Adami. Also joined by Chris Verone. He is head of technical analysis at Strategus Research Partners. Tonight on Fast, it is an earnings abundanza. Mm. Ooh. Apple, Starbucks, AMD, eBay, Alaska Air. All on the move after reporting their results. We're going to break down the numbers, the headlines, everything that matters to you and your money. Plus, more today's big move higher. Stocks rebounding after yesterday's sell-off. The S and P posting its best day since October. What exactly drove the turnaround? We'll get some answers. And later, can you name today's mystery chart? Here's a hint: This stock has been on a tear heading into earnings. There's your chart. Send us your guesses. We're going to bring you the name ahead. But we got to begin with this. The biggest kahuna of all, and that is Apple. To its core, Apple Uh. crushed the quarter. A huge beat, and the stock responding to the upside. Earnings per share coming in at $4.99. 60 cents better than expected. Sales $5.5 billion better than the consensus. And you just heard from Apple CEO Tim Cook, because he spoke with our Josh Lipton, who joins us now live outside of HQ's. Uh, Apple's HQ and Cupertino. i got to imagine there's a lot of smiles on the faces, Josh, because the quarter looked pretty good on nearly every metric.
1: Yeah, Brian. So you mentioned first of all, just obviously being on the top and bottom there. Let's go through some of these. Oh, iPhone revenue up eight percent to a better than expected fifty-six billion dollars. Uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook telling me it was the eleven that was his best seller in the quarter. Uh, services revenue up seventeen percent to twelve point seven billion. Services margins in the quarter clocked in at sixty-four point four percent. Street was looking for thirteen point one billion on that segment. Wearables, home, and accessories ten billion. Uh, notable here: Greater China revenue up three percent. And- and talking about that guidance too, Brian. Q2, they are guiding for between 63 and 67 billion. So the midpoint there, uh, better than what Street was looking for. Analysts had modeled closer to around 62.5 billion. Did have the chance to chat with Tim Cook. Uh, one issue we did discuss was the coronavirus. Obviously, investors concerned what that virus means for Apple's business in in China in terms of demand, in terms of production. uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook told me he's going to have more to say about that on the call. But he did note that, as you can see from the range, and there he's talking about that Q2 guidance, it anticipates some level of issue there. Otherwise, we would not have a $4 billion range, he told me. Uh, He also noted um, a couple points, though, that he's made some measures already taken, Brian, in response to this virus, restricting employee travel, cutting back on retail hours and did close one store. And finally, just going back quickly to that iPhone number, the revenue clearly much better than the street was looking for. The iPhone 11, I did ask Tim Cook why he thinks that has proven uh, his most popular model there. He said, listen, he pointed to the battery life, the design. He also noted he thought he had really nailed the price point there with the 11. Remember, $50 cheaper than the 10R last cycle. Guys, back to you.
2: Josh Lipton out in California. And, Josh, I know the conference call is beginning right now. I know you're going to hop on that. You get any headlines there, you just raise your hand. We'll put you back on the show. Josh Lipton, thank you very much. Guy Adani, yes, I know the iPhone gets all the attention, and it is still their big dog. Wearables, mostly the AirPod, went to $24 billion in revenue, doubling in just two years. Your take on the quarter. No, I mean, that's
3: fantastic. A lot, a lot of people, and I'm not one of them, a lot of people think the wearables, that's the next big thing. My take on the quarters. Listen, it's hard, to throw any, it's hard to throw any cold water on this quarter. Margins have been great, revenue beat, uh, EPS beat. But, you know, we say we're getting, a, we're getting multiple expansion because they're moving into services. And that was true. But now service revenue as a percentage of overall revenue I think is around 14.5%, which is sequentially lower than it's been. Again, I'm not making a big deal out of it. But if the bull case has been you're getting a different multiple based on this new product mix, that's concerning. Again, I'll say this, Apple traded at a discount to the broader market for many years. Now, with this quarter and with this price action, it's trading at a significant premium to the broader market. Just something to throw out there.
4: And, and Guy is right, and, and it seems like universally people have had to acknowledge that what's happened with the stock going into this print, But uh, and this print was was extraordinary in a lot of different ways. I mean, First of all, think about where we were a year ago, and, and when Tim Cook tells you he warns that their most important quarter uh, was going to be difficult, we got to a place where it set the table for a stock to move two times since that moment. But if you think about the multiple that Guy's talking about, why is it trading where it is? Well, some of it is just the fact that I think money managers were way over weight, and that's probably worth two or three turns on this multiple. You can also make an argument that Apple actually, like some of these companies that traded you know, as a sum of the parts, this should trade as the whole more than the parts because of their ecosystem, because the, the, the economics of how this company trades. And finally, if you look at the supply chain, you know, we, we were not expecting, uh, based upon some of the numbers we even got out of Taiwan Sammy, and some of the people, it wasn't going to be a bloodbath, uh, but it wasn't going to be extraordinary. So um, Guy mentioned services revenue. The simple math I think is 13.8%. Um, but they said a year ago when they had 360 subs, uh, they were going to move to 480. They're, they're at 480, and they're at yeah. 1.5 billion subscribers. Now let's be clear. <coughs> let's be clear Apple's
2: wearables business, which did not exist five years ago effectively, mm-hmm. now has a revenue stream that is would be, what, top 30 in the S&P 500? They've created an entirely new business while maintaining the iPhone franchise. It's truly incredible. It is.
5: I mean, that's extraordinary. I mean, with service and wearables together was the 24, I think. I'm sort of, I mean, the gross margin, that was really impressive. I'm not sure exactly how they got there. I don't know if they sourced better, given that the mix was different than we thought. More phones. One thing I'm wondering, how long does it take, once you buy a phone, how long does it take to gear up to, to have as many services as you're going to have? Some you do instantaneously, I would think, right when you buy the phone. So I don't know if having this now bigger installed base will start to see additional services revenue on that base. That would be good. Um, I mean, I, it was a very good quarter, no question. It is surprising to me. To see just a little bit of slowdown in services as a percentage, not as an
6: absolute number. Karen, uh, I, I would just add here, and I think Tim touches on this. Remember, a year ago, the stock bottomed on a terrible quarter, so nothing prevents the stock a from terrible top- guide, and nothing mm-hmm. prevents the stock from topping on a great. Quarter here, and you know what led last year. When you look at the low we put in late last year, it was the semis that turned first. Well, think about it the other way. Some of the semis are actually starting to peak here. We see it with A- we see it with uh, AMD, we see it with Amat, all the China-related names down pretty sharply over the last couple of weeks, down 10 to 15, 10. 10- percent drawdown on apple gets you to 275 i think that's in the cards in the first half of the year i'd be a buyer there but i think we just have to respect that the semis have already started to roll and they lead this stock
2: okay i want to come back to wearables in a second but chris i want to stay on the technicals if we can i was looking at a 10-year chart just coming to the set apple has never been this far above its 200-day moving average in the last decade it's been above it yeah it's never been this
6: far has the gap come too far Well, I think when you look at the performance over the last 12 months, the stock has doubled. When you've looked historically, that's happened five times in history where the year-over-year change is up 100%. Over the next 12 months, the stock is actually up, on average, about 30%. So just because it's up a lot doesn't mean the next year can't be good. I'm just worried tactically for a lot of the reasons. And look at the leading indicators of this stock. They've already started to roll a little bit. I think it's a problem in the short term.
2: Okay. Let's get more now reaction to Apple's quarter. Joining us is legendary tech investor Paul Meeks. He is a portfolio manager at Independent Solutions Wealth Management. No doubt going through the numbers, no doubt listening to our commentary on Paul. Listen, Paul, you know, we've been talking for, what, 15 years, you and I? We believe that the numbers tell the story. The stock's up 2%. Therefore, the market likes it. Is there anything, though, that you could find in anything you've seen that is cause for any concern around Apple?
7: I think you've already hit on it. The slight deceleration, even though on an absolute basis it's still growing robustly in services, is somewhat worrisome because if you want to have a software and services play, you can find a pure play software and services company that's growing faster and has higher profit margins. And then the other thing I worry about, Brian, is nothing to do with what was reported today, nothing to do with what was reported today with the guidance, but even after I suspect this company will earn $14 per share this year instead of 13 plus. You still are trading with where the stock is uh, moving after hours tonight at 23 times. That's pretty rich.
2: Yeah, 23 times. And Paul, let's also remember that we're dealing now with a quarter where one of their biggest markets is facing the worst sort of viral outbreak in at least 15 years with the coronavirus. So we don't know what this quarter or this fiscal year is going to look like so? Investors, do you think they're trading too much on what did happen rather than what might happen?
7: I absolutely think that's the case, and not only the coronavirus. You know, one of the real catalysts to this story, to have it re-rated higher as far as its P/E ratio in the last uh, 12 to 24 months, is a hopeful less reliance on hardware, particularly the uh, iPhone. And you have a situation now where in the quarter just reported this evening, iPhone is up over 60% of total revenue. In one sense, that's great for the short term. In the long term, we do know that despite this bump, which we'll see probably even a greater bump in the short term with a 5G rollout, smartphone market, not just in the States, but around the world, except for very few emerging market countries, is a slow growth market. It reminds me of something that we saw with PCs, as we morphed from the 80s and 90s when they're growing very fast to the internet world. And then once you had a PC at home, in your pocket, and at the office, you didn't need another one. And then units started to fall. Remember, the backstory is smartphones are a mature business and slowing around the world. And you'll really see that once we get through the uh, 5G liftoff, which in the short term would be great. Long term, I'm very worried.
4: Hey Paul, it's Tim Seymour. Thanks for joining. And, and this, what might happen, uh, or what happened in the backstory, and really, what's might happen in the future? The forward multiple. I want to get to this because you're someone that's that's managed stocks through some frothy times, and and, and, and you know, so it's twenty three, twenty four times next twelve months. You talked about software companies that trade at much higher multiples, by the way, um, that you could get more growth in. But you know, what's the multiple for the stock uh, in a low interest rate environment? Because Isn't that what it comes down to at this point? It's re-rated so much.
7: You know, I think the fair multiple is not 23. I think once you uh, clear the 5G boost, I think over time this stock should probably trade at 16, 17, 18 times earnings. And so, yes, we'll have uh, upside EPS, so we'll have higher higher EPS to multiply with the um, P.E. ratio, but I think that's fair long-term rather than something that's uh, mid to high 20s.
2: All right, Paul Meeks, we're going to leave it there. Paul, thank you very much. You know, the one thing I was, again, scrolling, we're kind of going on the fly with this here, Guy, and I'm looking at the numbers, and I guess we're not trying to poke holes, but if you've got to find something where you've made, you've doubled your money in a year, you're kind of looking, Apple noted, and I might tweet this out, that their net sales fell fractionally from fiscal 18 to fiscal 19, and they said in part because wearables may have looked like taken some of the sales. You know, you'd rather sell an $1,100 phone, I assume, than a $270 pair of AirPods. Stands to reason. Look, I mean, this is a good quarter. Apple's
3: had, you know, Dan talks about it all the time. You've basically had flat EPS growth for quite some time now. You've had multiple expansion. And that's what Paul is just talking about now. I think, you know, for Chris Verone, who's been correct and bullish in terms of Tech, semis, and Apple for a long time to say, you know what, maybe this sort of crescendos after a quarter like this. I think you have to take notice. An 18 multiple on the earnings they're expecting gets you to the level that Chris just
6: talked about, roughly 275, 280. I don't think that's unreasonable. And, Guy, I would add there, the one number I think people have to focus on is 304. That was the low in the stock yesterday when all the anxiety and all the stress about the virus. You start to break 304, I think it risks a deeper drought. I would say that for a lot of names. Whatever their lows were yesterday are important short-term levels for traders here. Let me ask you a broader market question, Karen,
2: because Apple, as I tweeted out, is is 10% or more of 16 major ETFs. The XLK ETF, one of the most widely owned, Mm. is 71 stocks. Apple is 20% of that one ETF. Can the overall market... Go up if it's for some reason ever Apple starts to go down.
5: Ever, yes, I, I think that. Never's a long time, right? Never is a long time. I well, mean, I mean for a- now
2: Apple seems yeah. to be the horse and the market. So disagree, the car.
5: right? I mean, for a long time, Cisco was the proxy for the market, right? Remember that several years ago it was Cisco. GE, I think, right? Well, yeah, that was a longer time ago. But so I think now Apple is kind of the the proxy for the market. It's so widely held, retail, institutional. I think that. This is good for the market. No question. I think we to get the market to continue to go higher. I think we need to see Facebook and Google and, you know, some industrials do well also.
4: Really quick. uh, Apple's move was 33 percent of the performance of the triple Q's off that June low, um, which rallied 30 percent. Apple's up 86 percent. It's 11.7 percent of that. You do the math. I think then you decide what that means for the market. I don't think it's great. Okay,
2: coming up, it is not just Apple. A bunch of other big-name stocks are on the move after reporting their results. We're going to talk about eBay. We're going to talk about AMD. We might even talk about Alaska Airlines and Starbucks. And later, our call of the day, what has got one analyst so down on Beyond Meat? Kinda. We'll get to the bottom of it. And just a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live anywhere on the go. All you got to do is download that CNBC app. If you haven't done it, maybe on your iPhone, Guy Adami. Mm. We're back right after this. all right. Welcome back to Fast Money. There's your numbers. A lot of green on the screen. Stocks rallying today, the S&P 500. Somebody goes home and says, hey, when's the best day since? You'll say it was the best day for the S&P since October. And the Nasdaq, it's best day since September. Tim, we got music. What's your take I mean, on today's? On, cue it up. We, we got go. guys, dog. We got music. What's your take on today's big
4: bounce? It was a little hip hop. And, and if you look at the bond market, you had about a forty to fifty basis point recovery. I mean, in terms of as you say, a of a point recovery in the 10 year. So not extraordinary when you consider how low yields got. And you look at the bounce in semiconductors, some of the higher beta stuff. You got a nice bounce, but but you know. Yes, the VIX was off 12 to 13% today. Um, The things that are hanging over the market, which are still now growth expectations, I think, um, haven't really changed. And and we have to get through some other extraordinary tech this week. So net-net, by the way, there's a Fed meeting tomorrow. I don't think they're going to do anything. But I think the Fed needs to continue to talk about what they're going to do with that balance sheet. Because we talk all the time. Brian, you show some great graphs on the correlation between the market and the size of the the Fed balance sheet very important not your friend
3: i think that's exactly right i mean it's a fed day tomorrow i think a lot of today's move was basically on the back of anticipation of this apple number which the market got and lining up ahead of the fed tomorrow which god only knows what they could say but for every apple in the aftermarket and we're going to talk about it later but you have an amd that's not down four percent you have a Xilinx that's down eight percent so there's a lot of cross-currents here again you know i don't think yesterday solved anything necessarily and i certainly don't think today's action did
6: i would say just stay patient here if you look at the breath today and maybe in the best Market day since October, but the internals were tepid. Advancers over decliners, three to one. I want to see days five to one, six to one, seven to one. We didn't get that today. Copper soft, crude bounced very tepidly. You saw the A shares as the China ETF AHR uh, uh, down on the day. So you didn't get that oomph that you want to see coming off a low. Yesterday, you had about 30% of the market make a one month low. If you're looking for a good tactical buy signal, get that higher to about 50 or 60%. That puts a low in. I don't think we're there yet.
5: I was surprised the market did this well. There was some very not so great data out this morning. The right? durables
4: and, weren't great. Really not yeah. great. I don't
5: yeah. know if there was some noise there, or, or I mean, so that I'm surprised the market did this well on the heels of that because I was sort of surprised how we. Got we data I
2: think we away. can to maybe toot the show's horn a little bit because yesterday we sort of broached this idea about china may be coming
4: I'll in see you guys on a plane by the way yesterday how really? nice is it when they can have live fast money on on, on delta airlines and anyway, it's fantastic so I keep going. shout out to dail yeah, well, that's your final trade Lobby. um
2: you know we talked about maybe china coming in with some sort of economics or monetary or fiscal stimulus and there was some stuff going around this morning that the china central bank was whispering about abundant resources you know do you wonder if there is this backstop even with all that's going on there as scary as it is that the central bank of china is not going to allow the economy to not recover
4: yeah and i think we have to say hey hold on a second wait a minute before we got the coronavirus i know it's a big before but but china was stimulating the currency was rallying china is the engine for certainly asia and and much of the trading world so um emerging markets are down 7.7 from peak five eight days ago to trough yesterday and have only recovered 86 bips today i mean I actually think there's a trading recovery in emerging markets to take a look at, especially a laggard and one that moved three times what most things moved. So back to China, I think they do have a lot of bullets, Brian. I think they are in a position where they are stimulating. They've already thrown some stimulus at the market. They've done a triple R cut. Um, I think to the extent that they have more levers to pull on a still planned economy, I think they can do it. Okay,
2: we've got a news alert right now on Facebook. Let's get now to Julia Borson in L.A. with that news. Julia.
9: Brian, Facebook's top engineering executive Jay preak announcing that he's leaving the company after 10 years, he announced this. In a post on Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg commenting on his post saying a lot of what we've achieved over the past 11 years just wouldn't have been possible without you. I don't think we even had a data center when you joined and now we share our design so the rest of the world can catch up. He's not announced what he's doing next, just saying it's time for him to move on from the social media giant. Facebook shares not really uh, moving on this news, trading up about half a percent after hours. Back over to you.
2: All right, Julia Borston Julia, thank you very much. So Facebook's top engineer is leaving. We've got earnings on Facebook tomorrow after the bell. Does this change anybody's view on Facebook, one of the top engineers, out? I'm, you know, maybe five years ago that
3: makes a big deal. I'm not necessarily getting short the stock on the back of this. But then on the other hand, you say to yourself, in the earnings, look, Apple just had a big number. I'm fascinated to see what happens to Apple tomorrow when the market opens and see after everybody's digested this. I think you could see a similar type move in Facebook tomorrow where you have the big beat, which they always do, spike, and then we'll see how it performs
2: post. Okay. And thank you Julie Borston for bringing us that breaking news. All right, coming up, as we said, it is really an Ernie's bonanza. You got AMD, eBay, Starbucks all still to be discussed. All by the way, are in the red. We're going to break down each of those names. eBay now down 5%. We'll get to Kate Rooney on that AMD, one of the hottest stocks in the world down 4%. And by the way, there's your mystery chart. We're going to give you another chance to name it.
4: Stock looks like every stock in the S&P. It really does. The stock is
2: pedal to the metal Mm. heading into tomorrow night's earnings. The name, how to trade it when we return.
0: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
8: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals
2: I think we need to play a little Devo tonight because this really is an earnings whip around. This is the busiest week of earnings. We are in full swing of it. 130 plus companies reporting a bunch of big names tonight. We talked about Apple already. AMD, eBay, Starbucks. They also rolled out their numbers. And by the way, all three of them are down after hours. The entire CNBC earnings squad is with us to break down these big numbers. We've got Kate Rogers on Starbucks, Kate Rooney on eBay. But let's kick things off with Frank Holland, and he's got more on AMD. Frank.
10: Hey there, Brian. Shares of AMD falling right around 4% after reporting record quarterly revenues. They beat estimates and a beat on the bottom line. However, guidance, it was a little mixed. For Q1, slightly below estimates. For the full year, slightly above. For a company with some high expectations and shares that improved almost 150 percent last year, Kevin Roddinghouse of Edgewater found the guidance and the performance of the gaming business both disappointing. He said the gaming console business was a drag. The guidance for Q1 seemed light. The gross margin guidance was better. With a mix of new products and share gains, the hope would have been better margin guidance for all of 2020. Matthew Bryson of Wedbush, however, saw more upside, but he was looking forward to the call that starts shortly, he said. No surprises at all how the stock trades will depend on what they say about their EPYC server processors. They are a structural share gainer versus Intel, and this result doesn't change that opinion at all. And we will get more insight on AMD and likely its gaming business on the call, which again starts at 530. Remember, the company will provide the chips for the new Xbox and PlayStation consoles being released this holiday season. So kind of a big deal for investors. Also, CEO Lisa Su, she joins Squawk on the Street at 9 a.m. tomorrow. For an exclusive interview. Brian, back over to you.
2: All right, Frank Collin, thank you very much. And a big interview tomorrow. Squawk on the street. Let's trade AMD. I'm looking at my this beautiful piece of paper with the with That's the lovely. blue with the blue highlighter on Did there. You, you, know what I, you know what I circled here, Tim? That AMD was a two dollar stock in 2015. That wasn't that long ago. We're seeing a market that is reacting, to, it's down four percent on not terrible guidance.
4: Do you think the gains have been made in AMD? Well, I mean, this is a stock that's up uh, 90% since October 3rd. uh, And it's a stock that we all know they're taking market share from Intel. So I don't think there's any uh, big revelation. If you listen to Cowan, who who certainly may be one of the most bullish, they just upgraded from $47 to $60 a share. They're they're saying it's two things. First of all, uh, their PC business, their 7 nanometer nanometer is moving very quickly to take on Intel. But that also the long-term addressable market for these guys is something that's giving them the ability to outperform. But I, I think you have to take a breath This valuation, why wouldn't you want Intel at this at this level?
5: Right. I think there's just the run that it's had and in Intel, we talked about them getting, you're talking about AMD gaining share but Intel fighting back, right? That was yep. a really really impressive quarter from yep. Intel. So, uh, and the valuation obviously for Intel is much different than it is for AMD. It's just run up so far. It's not like anything's so bad about this quarter. I okay. to agree. You know, this is
6: a great Long-term chart, but tactically it's rich. It was a $40 stock a month ago. It's a $51 stock today. You can cut it in half without a problem. And I think that's the issue with some of these semis. The moves over the last 20 or 30 days, you're talking about stocks that are up 20 or 30 percent. You can cut that in half over the next month or two, and it'll be painful. Okay. Let's now move on to eBay. That stock trading
2: down over 5%. It's the biggest decline, or the major names are after hours. Let's find out what has bothered investors in the quarter. Getting out of Kate Rooney with more on eBay. Kate.
9: That's right. Hey, Brian, eBay shares down more than 5% after a sales decline in the fourth quarter and a miss on Q1 guidance. Results were better than analysts had expected, with a beat by about five cents on earnings and beating by a hair on revenue. Company also announcing a five billion dollar buyback and announced a two cent dividend increase. But despite that, gross merchant volume closely followed metric and e-commerce also came up short. That was below estimates at twenty three point three billion One factor for that miss, the CEO just mentioned on the call, implementation of the Internet sales tax by the U.S. in 2019. That Q1 revenue guidance also coming in below expectations and hitting the stock. You see, it's underperformed the S&P in the past three months or so and throughout 2019 with some big swings down uh, more than 5 percent now. Back to you, Brian.
2: All right. Kate Rooney, Kate, thank you very much. Karen, your take.
5: Yeah, you know, so last year I thought it was interesting when Elliott came in and they really wanted to shake things up and they got on the board and they were able to do some of that, including they got eBay to sell StubHub and that was nice. However, the main driver here is the core business. And while the stock's not cheap, with the core business under threat the way it is, it, should, it shouldn't be expensive. It should be cheap. I, w- I wouldn't own it here. I don't Dude, know. Not.
2: Well, it's, it's, been a, it's been a stock, again, you go to the charts, Chris, yeah. that's your world, that hasn't made investors any money in two and a half years. I stock's mean, at the same, pr- in this market, it's at the same price it was two and a half
6: years We've ago. had everything make a new high everywhere around the world over the last six months, it gets, except this one. The stock's been in a bear market since February of 18 when it peaked. I like 27 on the downside. It's just
4: short here. It's weakening. It's below the 200A. That's not what we want to own here. Well, what the chart tells you is that also a quarter ago, so if you, the chart tells you that this thing really fell apart on their third quarter and their third quarter or fourth quarter guide where they said we're talking low single digits in terms of revenue and EPS for a company that's you know, certainly not trading on that on multiple. So, um the GMV in their core marketplace business is that which I think has proved me right now, and I, they haven't proved anything.
2: Yeah, you know, Guy Adami, Wells Fargo, the analyst recently calling eBay, quote, a melting ice cube. A melting ice cube. I wouldn't imagine that's a very good You know, reference. by idea. Defi- don't all
3: ice cubes melt at some point by definition? It would stand to reason. I mean, I'm just, I, right. it's an interesting analogy. More Listen. Correct.
4: So let me put it this And by way. the way, not an iceberg. They, at one point, they're an iceberg. They're now just right. a cube. Not just a cube. <laughs> that's pretty disheartening. And <laughs> then,
2: then you are then, then you're sublime, and it's, it's all gone. I mean, you used I think. they. cross music references, by the way. It went from iceberg to ice cube, ice cube to sublime. Sublime. How about vanilla ice? Is- How about Vanilla Ice? How about $34 being the line
3: in the (laughs) sandwich? Christopher just mentioned that was the December low. If it breaks there, it trades next. to last year's December low, which was 27, despite the fact that if you look in terms of price to earnings for next year, it's not ridiculously expensive. They just can't get out of their own way. Brian,
4: real quick, would you rather ice tea or Ice-Cube? Forget it, Vanilla Ice. ice tea or Ice-Cube? Where do you go? I would have to go. I'd, I'd go with the Cube. Really? Ice-T's got a lot of ice-t. did have ice that tea. punk. Tea. Yeah. Had, yeah. I believe, it, I believe, coach, right? I believe <laughs> it was, it's I believe it was called
2: Body Count. It was like yeah, a punk I, side I, project. I, anyway. That's it's cost. Cost. Uh, all, all right. Let's round it. out our earnings trifecta. St- By the way, Ice-T's ice a big CNBC viewer. I know he lives right down the street. That oh. stock falling after reporting results. The company also making some fresh comments about the coronavirus. Let's get now to that. Kate Rogers back at CNBC HQ. Kate, I know this is a big deal for China. It's a big deal for Starbucks as well.
9: It is, Brian. No one asked me, but I'm in the Ice-T corner. But Starbucks. Out with a strong Q1 for 2020, revenues coming in line, EPS a beat, comps a beat across the board. U.S. same store sales grew by 5%. Comps in China up 3% as strength really continues to grow in both of those all-important markets. Now the holiday season was one of its strongest in history. And while Starbucks maintained its guidance for full year 2020 thus far, the company also warned that the coronavirus may impact its results moving forward. The company's now closed more than half of its stores in China and says that while this is expected to be temporary, the financial impact can't be reasonably estimated at this time and that disruption to business and reduced customer traffic are expected to, quote, materially affect its international segment and consolidated uh, results for the second quarter and full year 2020. Starbucks added that guidance will Will be updated once it can reasonably measure the impact of this virus. Now take a listen to CEO Kevin Johnson on the call.
3: Our immediate focus is on two key priorities in China. First, caring for the health and well-being of our partners and customers in our stores. Second, playing a constructive role in supporting local health officials and government leaders as they work to contain the coronavirus. That said, We remain optimistic and committed to the long-term growth potential in China, a market we have been in for more than 20 years.
9: And you won't want to miss Starbucks CEO Kevin Johnson live tomorrow morning for a first-on CNBC interview on Squawk on the Street at 9.30 in the morning. Once again, China, very important to them. They call it their second home market. So we'll hear a lot more about that tomorrow, Brian. Back over to you. Yeah,
2: huge market and yet another huge interview on CNBC tomorrow. Kate Rogers, thank you very much. So, Tim Seymour, can you own a stock where they vectively said, we don't know what's going to happen in our second largest market and for how long?
4: Look, I understand how dangerous that can sound, but the answer is yes. Uh, and we're not talking about a secular problem with the company. We're not talking about a structural problem with the company. We're talking about a short-term cyclical, which is uh, again devastating right now. But there's nothing in their business. When I hear that their their mobile uh, grew 40% in China, actually their their loyalty business grew 40%. Uh, it grew, continues to grow to 18.9 million on their rewards in the U.S. This is actually re-rating along uh, kind of a, a at least a tech multiple hear me out, in terms of actually their ability to get a higher ticket sale and to be more efficient. That's why this company is actually re-rating. I, I, I love it. I mean, 6% U.S., their core market, um, is, is doing nothing but moving higher than expectations. So I stay long. But Tim, for a stock that also went 52
6: one hundred over the last year. I think that has to give us some pause in this type of a market where those big movers are getting hit. The, the structural story is intact, but nothing prevents it from going 94 back to 85. And I think it's a better opportunity there. Also, keep in mind, they just talked about best holiday sales. Well, why is the stock not making a new high? Things should make new Isn't highs. is it and sitting should right in its 50-day moving average or close and to it? I'm just not convinced that's going to hold here. I think there's downside risk. So if it doesn't five to hold? Buck, five to seven bucks lower, it's a better more timely opportunity there. Okay, so watch that 50-day moving average. If it
2: breaks through it, then Chris says you got another five to seven. But Tim says China's bad, but you can own the stock. All right. For more on all of today's big earnings, because there are a lot more than we have time to get to, head over to our website at cbc.com. In the meantime, here's what else we have coming up on Fast.
0: Warning! Warning! The U.S. yield curve this morning briefly did that thing that investors fear so much.
3: But Chris Perone says inversion actually may be a good thing for the banks. He tells us why. And later, is Beyond meets valuation beyond belief? We break down where the stock is going in our call of the day. We've got
2: that and a lot more after the break. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. As stocks rose, rates rebounded a bit as well today. This after the 10-year yield hit its lowest level since October. And Chris says that big move in bonds is creating some real opportunities in two key
6: parts of the market. Chris is over at The Plasma. Chris, what are those two key parts? Well, Brent, I think in markets like this, we either need to focus on things that are already washed out or areas of the market showing unusual strength. So we'll start with the former. I think banks are at least in the vicinity of where we would want to call them washed out. This is the bank index, already down about 6% from the highs. And if you look internally under the surface, only about 10% of banks are left above their 50-day moving average. Historically, when you get that type of a flush, you're in the vicinity of where this ultimately will start to bottom. So I think the setup is getting a little bit more compelling here to be a buyer of some of the banks. If you look at what are some candidates, I think Citi here is actually pretty interesting. You've already had about an 8% drawdown from this last acceleration phase. It reminds us a lot of what we saw in the 2015-2016 period, where you broke out, you had this big move higher post-election, and then very quickly, you had an 8 9% check back of support, ultimately, before that bull market resumed higher. I suspect a similar move here. You have good support near the 200-day. You get it down there. I think you want to be a buyer. It's a washout candidate. I think we're getting closer. A name that is certainly at a consensus, uh, but we think actually getting a little bit better, is Deutsche Bank. And I think what's interesting here is this is a stock, particularly over the last several days, despite all the anxieties around the world, has actually traded really well. I'm going to give you the most important data point here. There are 28 analysts who cover this stock. Guess how many buys? Zero analyst buys. It is very at a consensus. We think it's quietly getting better trade. 0.2 book. Uh, there's room mm. there for that one to go up. But what I think is also interesting on the other side of this, while the banks may already be washed out, the builders are showing that unusual strength. This is DR Horton going back the last 20 years, not getting enough attention in our work here, is that DR is finally above those 2005 highs. So this is a stock that didn't peak in 07 with the market. It peaked in 05, two years before. So I think we have to at least respect the economic signal that the home builders continue to act as well as they do. I think one of the most timely ones in this group go down the cap scale here just a little bit. This is KB Home. This is a great base that just continues to take shape on the verge of breaking out, any pullback there, I think, is a notable opportunity to get long some of these builders. So on one hand, you have these banks that are starting to get washed out. I think they'll get timely over the next couple of weeks. But these builders send a positive economic signal.
2: All right, Chris Farone. Chris, thank you very much. Uh, why don't you come on back here? Guy, Donnelly? Yes, listen, uh, I, I don't know if I've heard anybody recommend Deutsche Bank shares in years. You and I have talked about it on other programs, how important this company was, how problematic this company was. That's a bold call. It's a bold
3: call, and he he makes the point that no analysts have a buy on it. And I don't think what Chris is saying is Deutsche Bank's problems have been solved. I don't believe that to be the case. But you can also see a situation where the stock could rally 15 or 20 percent on air and still have the same existing problems. I think that's what we're talking about. Listen, I still think Deutsche Bank is ground zero for everything that's out there in terms of the derivatives book and what possibly can go wrong. But in the
4: meantime, the stock is rounding and it could rally despite my fears. Well, I think we should collaborate and listen to Chris because I think you've got a case where you, you actually have uh, all European banks that have, that have been starting to break out here. And you have a case where actually, remember when we had Johnny Eve on from BNP? And, and, you know, talking about the balance sheets in Europe, I know it's hard to believe, uh, but they have been bolstered. And the most important driver for European banks is that the ECB, I believe, and again, we now have essentially made a transition at the ECB, is no longer into this ZERP dynamic. And I think the rest of the central bank world is catching on as well. That'll be very good for Deutsche Bank.
2: Yeah, very good stuff. ZERP, zero interest rate policy. All right, Apple CEO Tim Cook just made comments moments ago about the coronavirus outbreak. Let's get back down to Josh Lipton, who's outside of Apple HQ. Josh
1: So, Brian, uh, obviously investors have a lot of interest in the coronavirus and how that could impact Apple's business. On the call here, Tim Cook is fielding questions about that. He started off by saying how that virus could impact production or supply. Obviously, China is a key link in Apple's supply chain. Take a listen.
6: I'll talk about uh, supply chain and customer demand to give you some color. Uh, With respect to the supply chain, we do have some suppliers in the Wuhan area All of these suppliers, there are alternate sources, and we're obviously working on mitigation plans to make up any expected production loss.
1: So that's how Cook sees the virus potentially impacting here production supply. Of course, it could also impact demand sales. And there, Cook saying uh, that already they closed one retail store. Remember, China has 42 stores in mainland China. Uh, some stores remaining open are now doing so on reduced working hours. Sales in Wuhan, which is considered the, uh, the epicenter of that virus, he says, are small. But he says retail traffic was impacted outside just that area in just the last few days. Again, he's tried to account for that in this guidance. Just want to Quickly touch on wearables, too, because Cook there just made some interesting points. Remember, they are constrained there on AirPods Pro and the Watch Series 3. Uh, he's being asked when those constraints will be alleviated. Cook saying hopefully the 3 comes into balance this quarter. Uh, doesn't have an estimate, though, for AirPods Pro just yet. Can't predict that as of right now. Brian, back to you.
2: All right, Josh Lipton. Josh, uh, thank you very much. Again, we're going to come back to Apple, guys, because this, this is the big stock. And as we were sort of talking about, I don't mean to harp on the point. Apple's wearables business last year—that includes the watch and the AirPods—their wearables business last year is now bigger than Starbucks. In five years, they built a business out of z- from zero to Starbucks in five years, and it has a 1.3 trillion dollar market cap that backs up everything.
3: You know, I—you're right. It's an—it's ama- it's incredible. But I think the market has rewarded them. I mean, the stock is more than significantly more than doubled since we saw that 140 price that Chris was talking about earlier in the show. So everything you're saying is right. But don't suggest, I don't think you are, that the market hasn't rewarded Apple for all those things we're talking about.
2: So you're saying you better keep the growth The growth rates better stay up. I believe On so. On that yeah. side. Also,
5: let's, well, let's. Yeah, with the P.E. here, expectations are high.
2: Yeah. Right. Too high.
5: I don't. I'm long. I always say if you go home long, it's like you're buying it at this price. I'm a little nervous about that, but I am staying long, so I guess, yes, that makes me a buyer at this price, which is like 322 right now, 323
2: Okay, good discussion there on Apple. I'm sure we'll have much more. I'm sure Jim will have much more, by the way, in Mad Money at 6 o'clock. All right, coming up. Is the rally in Beyond Meat well done? Mm. One Wall Street <laughs> firm putting a fork in those gains. We're going oh, to talk about Beyond Meat. It's an interesting call. It's coming up next. Plus, one trader just made a $2 million bet that this red hot stock is headed higher. We'll tell you who it is mystery chart. Send in your guesses on this one. Fast Money returns. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. One Wall Street analyst has, well, a real beef with fake meat, kind of. It's your call today. Enough puns. JPMorgan Chase downgrading beyond meat to a neutral from an overweight. The analyst says the stock is no longer fairly valued following its monster run over the past three weeks. Shares falling even more after hours on reports that Tim Hortons, The big coffee and donut chain in Canada may be pulling Beyond Meat from its menu. Now, despite today's losses, let's not get carried away. Beyond Meat still up nearly 400% from its May IPO. And by the way, that downgrade, the price target on the stock is still above, Karen. Where it is now. So he downgraded, but his price target is still, I think, 10 or 15 bucks above where Beyond Meat is right now. Not exactly a spiteful call. No,
5: not. Meat. I mean, I, I find it amusing. No longer fairly valued, which would make it sound that <laughs> it at was one at point, one point. It was. I wonder when that point was. I don't know. We're like back, to the, ice, open, back to the
4: ice cube,
2: I think. Yeah, I think well, so. Well, you have to believe yeah. in the growth estimates. Period. They did. Is I it? mean,
5: he had an overweight when the stock was 82. Good credit. for him. Yep. I mean, that's that's a bold call at eighty-two. So good for him. I the, think the, the right these, this stock moves the
2: whenever there's a hint of a new chain trying something out, right? Really? Yep. And so everybody, with the exception we learned of Chris Verone, apparently would like to try it. You wonder if it will last. I, th- I said on the exchange today, you've got to have months of data, don't we? We don't we don't know if these hot sales are just people
4: saying. Yeah, I want to try one once. Well, I think Guy's concern is that it won't last. It, it, I'll tell you right now,
3: it won't last. In, yeah. I'm just letting you know. I mean, without getting into graphic detail, it lasts <laughs> for about an hour or so. And I saw you on the exchange today. Was it the exchange talking was, about exactly this? Not worldwide, the exchange. But there's the also there's
4: some legal issues here with their former partner, Don Lee Farms, that they breached a manufacturing agreement. I think the most important thing is not this downgrade is related to that, it's really the competitive landscape and the valuation, zero okay. cents. Okay,
2: there you go, zero cents. All right, coming up, here's one last look at our mystery chart. One option trader just made a $2 million bet that that already hot stock is going to power even higher. That was another clue. We're going to reveal the answer next. Plus, are you ready for some football? Of course, Jim is. Mm-hmm. He continues his big game series tonight with a few stocks that he says can be total. Touchdowns! I loved it last night compared Mahomes and Garoppolo to Adobe and Salesforce.com. Of course, Jim and Matt is coming up at the top of the hour. In the meantime, we are live, as always, at the NASDAQ Market Site. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. It is finally time to reveal today's mystery chart. One last hint, the stock has doubled since its last earnings report just back in October. You know it. It's Tesla. The automaker reports results again tomorrow after the bell. And one options trader just made a $2 million bet. A Tesla stock could crack 800 a share. <coughs> Get to Mike Cohen, San Francisco, with the options. Action, Mike. Big, big, bold bet.
11: It is. It's pretty unbelievable. And you consider the run that the stock has already had. But we did see calls outpacing puts by about one and a half to one going into earnings. Right now, the options market is implying a pretty big move of about 11 percent. That's larger than the nine and a half percent that it has averaged over the last eight quarters. More impressive when you consider how large the company is with a market capitalization of over 100 billion, which makes it the second largest automaker in the world by market cap after Toyota Motors. And where we saw the activity today that caught my eye, and it probably would catch most people's eyes, I think, was the purchase of 900 of the June 800 calls. The buyer paid just under $20 a contract for that. Net-net, they're spending just under $1.8 million in premium to make a bullish bet that Tesla will rise above that $800 strike price by at least the premium that they spent, and that would represent an increase of about 45%. That would make it as big as Volkswagen and Daimler combined, which have 17 times the revenues of Tesla. Wow.
2: Wow. All right, Mike Coe, thank you very much. For more Options Action, always check out the full show on Fridays, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Your final trades are next. All right, no final trades. You have big breaking news from D.C. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell apparently saying the GOP does not have the votes to block witnesses from being called in the Senate's impeachment trial. That is according to breaking news from The Wall Street Journal right now. Remember, Democrats got 47 seats. they need four Republicans effectively to come over. They can vote on motions that would allow them more witnesses and testimony. The Democrats want John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney to indeed testify. That may happen. Now, that's it for us. Mad with Jim starts right now.